Next, on the OHIO Podcast, we review the 2022 Ohio State Spring Game, we talk about the commitment of running back Mark Fletcher, and Eric interviews fellow podcaster Nick Delanitis. And that all starts right now. It's super easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who win. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast by fans for the fans where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from beautiful North Central Ohio, where I am joined with both my co-hosts today, Chris Wilds from Marion and Nick Delanitis, also here from Delaware County. If you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. At Spire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool, track, mat, basketball, court, or gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit SpireCleveland.com today. That's Spire, S-P-I-R-E. First and foremost, before we dive into what was the spring game yesterday, I want to go ahead and thank some of the following people who came out to our listener appreciation tailgate party yesterday, Robert Allen. It was awesome to meet you. Thank you so much for bringing your family out and 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 meeting us. It was awesome to meet you. Looking forward to uh, getting together with you again. Uh, Justin and Leah Bowman, awesome to meet you guys in person as well. Uh, our buddy uh, uh, Travis and Amanda and Taylor Jordan. Of course, Travis is the uh, the cornhole fella I was telling all, telling you all about on the last uh, show, who uh, represented uh, the OHIO podcast and that state up north. And uh, of course, he uh, he kicked our butts in cornhole. However, I will say, Chris, I did score two points on him yesterday. The first two what? points I've ever scored on a pro. And, and I'll tell you, Eric. You thought you were a lot better off before you realized he was just warming up. Uh, this is true. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> uh, our, our, our our number one fan, Eric Osbeck, was back again. Good to see you, Eric. Always a pleasure. Uh, Mike Wargo. Yes, the former Buckeye, the Rudy of Ohio State, Mike Wargo, and uh, his friend uh, that was with him came to, came out to say hi at the – at our tent that we had set up. And of course, uh, my best friend, Carl Hugler was there and, and our families uh, were there as well. It was a good time. Good time, man. We had a great setup, didn't we, Chris? 
Oh, it was fabulous, Eric. The, yeah, you know, if we only could have had that game time weather in the morning, because I'll tell you, it, it was a it was a little bit of a wet start to that day, but I'll tell you, didn't stop us. You and I went out there. We played the, uh, I think, the Guinness record for the longest <laughs> cornhole game, never to be won. Yeah. So we were playing the 21 version where you have to land on 21. And if you you go over, you go back to 13, um, which is I know that's not regulation, but that's what we were playing. And it went forever and ever and ever, or as the kids would say, or my stepson, dude, that was for abs, man. <laughs> so, well, yeah, well, it was about 45 minutes, I think, roughly. Yeah. 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 And I, 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 I had gotten up near to 21 four times when I finally I went back to 13 and Chris got me. So Chris is one and oh against me right now. So champ. Yeah. <laughs> Those good times, man. A lot a lot of fun. So um we'll do that. Can't again. wait to do that again. Yeah, yeah, that was Yeah, that was so much fun. That, that ranks right up there with the live shows, Eric. I mean, anytime we can get out and hang out with the you know, hang out with the listeners, it just seems to always be a good time. It really does. I, I'm looking forward to that, uh, doing that again. Um, the, you mentioned the weather, Chris. Do you think that played a part in what was probably the poor, most poorly attended spring game I've been to, personally? I, 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 I really think so, because my understanding is uh, I'd heard there was only about a 50000 pre-sale on, on the game. Uh, I do understand that it was right around 60000 was the attendance, so – that means they did have 10,000 walk-ups and yeah, I think that there definitely would have been more, especially with the, you know, the, the tribute to, uh, to Dwayne, the true of uh, the, the celebration of the hundred years of Ohio stadium. I really feel like there would have been a much larger crowd. Had, did we not have the weather we had to start out the day? Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, how, I got to ask you though, man, what did you think of those secret seats we had before we got kicked out of them? Yes, we did get kicked oh, out. Oh, those were had. the best seats in the house, man. Aren't they awesome? Aren't they awesome? If you want to know what I'm talking about, you instant message me or send me an email and I will, I will share my secret with you on where the best seats in the shoe is. These are amazing. I wish they would put these seats all throughout the stadium, as far as the bucket seating, Chris, it would just make yeah. I think the, the it would it would add to the 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 viewing pleasure. You wouldn't be so stuffed in those in those uh, bench seats that they have. Um, and let's be honest, attendance is not what it used to be, and they might as well rip those things out and put those seats in all all throughout. Oh, I think I, I'll tell you right now, I would be a season ticket holder if they had those through the stadium. Ooh, did you hear that, Gene Smith? Season ticket holder from Chris Wilds, if you would do bucket seating. Uh, anyways, let's move on to the actual game. I'm going to start with you, Nick. You've been quiet here during the opening as Chris and I have been geeking out about seats. <laughs> but uh, what's your initial reaction to the spring game, Nick? What would you think? Um, I liked – I was – like like I said in the previous uh, statements about the spring game, what I was looking for was the defense, and I think the defense has made great strides. Um, I saw our our defensive backs were in position. Our safeties were in position on the deep balls. Yes, they got beat, but like our receivers are fast and really talented. You know, um, we've shown that even though like in the times we were able to tackle, we were we stopped the run. Um, there weren't too many run explosive plays, which I really like to see out of our defense. Um, Jim Knowles 
I, I like what you're doing, man. The, whatever you're doing, keep it up because it's going to be great to see what September, you know, like what we see in September. Chris, your initial reaction of the game yesterday. Well, I'll tell you, I, I liked a lot of what I saw. I think that, first of all, I think Stroud and Smith and Jigba are already in midseason form. I think that they're already in sync. It, it's going to be a huge year for those two guys. Uh, defensively, I am with Nick. I think we've done a lot of good things. And I don't think we saw a lot yesterday. I don't think Noel showed us a lot. No, he, was, uh, he even he admitted was, after the game they were very manila. Yeah, and you know what? Their manila is, I think, leaps and bounds over what we've seen in the past years. <laughs> Ouch. I really do. They were tremendous. And one of the things I love, Derek, something I don't think we've seen a whole lot of here lately, you never saw one helmet attacking the ball. We had a group of guys attacking the ball again when, when it was going. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't just one guy trying to one-on-one tackle, which I think we've seen way too much of here recently. Uh, it, it was an all-out group effort. I also think the defensive backs, oh, my goodness, Eric, and you and I did, talked about this a little bit after the game yesterday. Those defensive backs looked awfully good. Uh, you know, we, Denzel had that one really, uh, w- really great pass defense. Um, and then of course we had the, the interception that was, I think, great. The, the, the corner just tipped the ball up to himself and, and, you know, just tremendous. Uh, so yeah, I'm really excited about what I saw there. I loved what I saw out of our defensive line. Uh, you know, the, the offensive line concerns me a little though, once we get past the one deep. I think even the two deeps okay, but that three deep was just being beat up. Um, so I think that we got a little bit work of work left on the depth in the offensive line, but overall, I'm very pleased with what I saw. I'm trying to remember who had the interception. Do you guys remember? Was it? I can't remember if it was uh, Ryan Turner or. Uh, I think it might have been. I Ryan. believe it was Turner. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember to be honest with you, but it was, it was a nice play, but uh, yeah, uh, my initial reactions. um, Let's start here. I think Ohio state and particularly CJ Stroud did Dwayne Haskins right yesterday. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know how many of you caught it, but uh Stroud was wearing his number seven jersey, but on the back it didn't say Stroud. It said uh, Haskins, and in his first series he wore Haskins' name on his back. I think that's awesome. I like how Ohio State put DH down on the field uh, about around the five-yard line uh, uh, in the corner of the um, um, Ohio State locker room area. That was nice. Seven-yard line. Seven. There you go. Yep. Yep. Very good point. And I thought the halftime tribute was good. And I think how the players took time after the tribute was played to kneel down and take a moment of silence. It was a solid, what, minute or two? Yeah. I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a couple minutes, I think. To just think about and meditate on the brotherhood they have had with that young man. And um, 
I don't know what they're going to do throughout the season. No doubt they'll probably do something, probably a, D, a DH sticker on the back of the helmet or something like that. Um, but that was well done, Ohio State. So hats off to, to all of you. Um, I'm with you, Nick. I think Jim Knowles is – he is worth every bit of that almost $2 million they're paying him. His intensity on the sideline is awesome and and much needed. Um, he is he is the kind of coach that is not afraid to get in your grill, but at the same time he loves on you enough and teaches you enough that you want to you want to achieve for him. And I think this defense is going to have a tremendous year, despite the fact that they were playing a very Manila four two five all all day. I did see a lot of a lot of improvement on the defensive side, which we're going to talk about in in just a minute. At least I am. But my initial reaction was it was a good day. It felt great to be back in the shoe. It felt good to hear the OHIO going around the stadium. It was awesome to be with all of our listeners who hung out with us. We all sat together in the stadium too. That was really cool. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and I can't wait for the season to get here. It's going to be a long 140 days until kickoff, and that's exactly how many it is as we record this on uh, the 17th of April here, Easter Day in in Ohio. 140 days, guys. I I, I know sometimes it seems like that uh, will be forever, but it will go by quick, and I cannot wait for this team because I'll tell you, my expectations for them – after seeing some of the things we saw yesterday, are even higher now. So this is a national championship potential team. I believe that. We knew we had the offense. I've seen a lot of improvements and tweaks uh, with this coaching staff since the off since the beginning of the offseason. That's got me super excited. Nick, I will I will go to you first. What question did we get answered? Give me one of the questions you had or a question that you think – a Buckeye Nation had that got an answer yesterday. Well, there was a lot of people, you know, um, that were conflicted on if we should have got rid of Kerry Combs. You know, um, I personally, you know, what he did for us when he was under Urban Meyer, putting how many defensive backs into the NFL, right? And not just into the NFL, but first round picks. I loved what he did, and I was really excited to have him back, you know. But after seeing a Manella, a very vanilla, plain, what Jim Knowles said, just plain defense, I see why we went out and got him now. I see why Ryan Day was so concise about Jim Knowles being the guy to lead Ohio State's defense in the future. You know, and I think if you had any question if this guy was, you know, Ohio State material, I think he got answered yesterday. It's a good point. Chris, do you have uh, a question that got answered in your mind yesterday? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think that we saw that we're, we're not in bad shape at tight end. Uh, you know, I think tight ends have been a major concern coming in. Uh, we all knew that Cade Stover was going to bring a, a physicality back to that position when he moved back over from linebacker. But I'll tell you what, Royer and uh, G. Scott Jr., I thought both looked pretty well out there yesterday as well. 
you know, you can definitely tell that Scott has bulked up a little bit. And I think that uh, I think the tight end position is not going to be in too bad a shape. And, and, you know, that along with uh, the defensive line, um, I think we all kind of asked ourselves, you know, who was going to be coming out there and starting on the defensive line. I think we've seen not just on the line, but throughout the defense, uh, that youth movement isn't slowing down, Eric. No, it's not. Those, those guys were out there. The young guys played a lot. And I'll tell you, they had an impact. Mm-hmm. They absolutely did. That's a good one. Yeah, because I wasn't going to mention tight end. So I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the question that got answered for me, I got several, <clears throat> but um I'm going to go ahead and stick with the defense, and I'm going to say this. When Jim Knowles says that this is a safety-driven defense, it absolutely is. He's not lying to you. The five defensive backs that we have on the field are going to dictate, and I'm, in my opinion, a lot of the success that Ohio State is going to experience on the defensive side of the ball this year. Our defensive line is stacked, and it is deep. So you don't have to question that. I think we're going to see a return to the great lines that we uh, had grown accustomed to when the Bosa's and Chase Young was here that we hadn't experienced in the last couple of years. I don't know that we have a true Bosa Young this this particular year, but I think the collective of all of them together and the strides that we're seeing from JT to Mulau in his first offseason at Ohio State along with Jack Sawyer – has got me super stoked that they're going to get to the to the quarterback frequently. Um, not only that, but again, I, I, the only part of this defense that has me a little worried is linebacker. But even then, I think Jim Knowles is going to clean that up and put the right guys in there to, to make life good on the defensive side. So the questions we had about the defense answered. I think they're going to they're going to be much improved. And my <clears throat> my anticipation with this defense is. They will give up some plays and some yards, but they are going to be extremely opportunistic and they are going to create a lot of turnovers this year. I think this is going to be a turnover machine. Uh, Nick, do you have any questions, other questions that you felt got answered yesterday? Um, I think our offensive line at least showed that they can push a defensive line and open up some holes in the running game, which is yes, nice to see finally. Um, I think – I also think like unfortunately, I think we got our toughness back, you know, um, and, and I hate to say it, but I think – Everybody in that locker room, including Ryan Day and that entire coaching staff, needed that loss to the team up north last year. Hmm. They needed it because it lit a fire under us that we haven't had in 22 years. That feeling of, well, it could, you know, could this be another you know, year or two before we beat him again. Like, I I don't feel that way because I know like, well, we're going to bounce back and it's still hardball and we're still going to probably beat him next year. Right. But I think they needed that 
because for a while we were untouchable in the Big Ten. We won four straight Big Ten championships, and we were and we were on our way to make it a fifth until that game. <clears throat> You're right, and, <clears throat> and I think and I think with that loss, I think Ryan Day, the defensive coaching staff, and everybody watched that game and said, "We got to get tough again. We mm-hmm. need to get our toughness, and we need to get that Buckeye toughness swag back." And I think you saw a piece, a glimpse of that at the spree game that it's it's coming back. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here real fast, Chris, and piggyback off of what Nick said before I, I let uh, let you speak again. <laughs> I agree 100% with you, Nick, especially about the offensive line. They were run blocking incredibly well. When you're playing glorified two-hand tap at times with the first string and you guys and, – and the running back's not getting touched until five, six yards into the run – those are seven, eight, nine-yard carries a pop every single time. And then when he did allow him to start tackling, we saw an amazing uh, touchdown run and by, by Evan Pryor. I, this offensive line is, is, is getting fixed in the running game. I do not think that this is necessarily going to be a 70% passing team still. I'm looking more at 50-50 again. And I think we're going to absolutely road grade some people, and we might have a three-headed monster in the backfield, <clears throat> which is super exciting for me. Well, yeah, go well, ahead, Nick. And, and just to touch on the running game here too, let's just remember we had two really young backs for really the first time since Beanie and um, Maurice Claret days, right? And – Typically in Ohio State fashion, we don't like to run the ball with them because they have fumbling problems, you know, when you feed them too much. So now that they're older, like Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams, Evan Pryor, um, I think you're going to see, like you said, a more 50-50 even split, Eric. I, I, I do. I really, I really believe that. I'll be shocked if Ryan Day still throwing the ball over 70% of the time. I'll be shocked, especially with the, with the way – He's got these three running backs running the football with that offensive line just absolutely dominating people up front. Yeah, this is this is going to be an exciting, just another part of this offense that he can he can scheme around. Good luck, uh, defensive coordinators trying to figure that out. Chris, give me another one, man. Well, I, I got I got two real quick here for you, Eric. First Go of all, the first one is. The question, what about Josh Josh Proctor? He was out there, man. I didn't know he was going to be out there for the spring game. I thought it was good to see him out there. Uh, Secondly, would be, what are we going to do after CJ graduates? I I think we saw two pretty good options out there on the field yesterday. I thought McCord and, and Devin Brown both looked pretty decent. You know, yes, they made some errors. But I, I thought I thought Brown was everything that people have talked about. I really did. <clears throat> yeah, Devin, I'm a I'm a little bit more excited about Devin Brown than I am Kyle McCord. I, I am as well. I don't I know if it's well. just because he's the new pretty toy, you know. Um, but I'll say this: there is a significant drop off from C.J. Stroud to those two. Oh, there is, there is. But you know what? They got another year of carrying clipboards before we got to worry about getting them in there as starters. <laughs> this, this is true. That's right. They got another year to try to develop. That's I'll right. I'll tell you what, though. Devin's, 
Devin Brown can throw the rock. He's got a pretty ball, doesn't he? Yeah, he I does. like his he instincts. A, he has a pretty deep ball, and you know what you can – and what I noticed with Ryan Day, and you saw it kind of when Dwayne Haskins was young um, and even Justin Fields' first year to a second year, you can see the accuracy increase that the, that that he can do in one offseason with a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And just wait because Devin Brown can throw a pretty deep ball. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little game here with you guys real quick. <clears throat> Starting quarterback game one of the 2023 season will be who, Chris? I think traditional wisdom would say Kyle McCord. He's gonna have an extra year in the system. He's gonna be a little more. Um, should be a little more advanced in the system. But I'll tell you, while tra- traditional system uh, wisdom says that, I think my gut instinct says Brown's going to surpass him. Mm. Nick, do you agree with Chris or disagree? I would, I would say I agree with Chris. Okay. But you will see if, like, if we have to go to like you know just just like Justin it happened to Justin Fields we had to bring CJ in because he got hit weird or something you know mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting who Ryan sends in that's a good that's a really good point Nick I think yeah. if if there was an injury week 1 and CJ had to take a playoff god forbid or if it was worse Kyle McCord is going to get the oh, first yeah. nod but oh, well definitely but if if he is is Heisman Trophy winner, healthy season, all those things, you know, going in the next season. I do believe Devin Brown might have the skill set to overtake Kyle McCord. We shall see. I mean, that's going to be a very interesting debate next offseason for sure. Well, here's uh, the thing. If he does have that skill set, if it is a close, close quarterback competition going in. I think Brown gets the nod because you'll have him for two years versus one, because if if. If, for instance, McCord goes out and has a stellar year, he's gone. Well, when with I mean, Brown, you'll have him for two. There's an ob- there's well, there's honestly, we could have three different starting quarterbacks in three consecutive years. If, yeah. if, you, if you go down that path, but I mean, trying to trying to determine what's going to happen in the with the transfer portal is just it's futile and and, and really a waste of our time to even try to predict those things because. I say conventional wisdom says whoever doesn't get the starting nod next year is probably going to go in the in the uh, transfer portal. Oh, you're absolutely right. Um, I wouldn't say that. I would say if Devin Brown gets it over McCord, then I would say I could see McCord going into the portal. Um, but also I don't I I don't know because it depends on really who we're bringing in in our next year's class quarterback wise. McCord might stay because. Who knows the first sign of trouble with Brown, Ryan Day could make the switch. You go out there, you know, show your do your thing. Maybe you lead a comeback victory. The job's yours. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but if anybody would enter the portal, I would say would be McCord over anybody. Just because just like CJ Stroud said, you know, like I was going to sit because I knew what tr- like what development I was getting. And when I got my shot, I was going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Any other questions you guys felt got answered yesterday? 
Hey, no, but I do have a question for you, Eric. Hit me. Did, did, did Andre Turrentine set a record for tackles in a spring game? Because no. I swear, every time no, someone got did. tackled, his his name was mentioned. So <laughs> I can't find the stats anywhere. Can you? I couldn't either. I looked. But I'll say this. Do you know who led the team in tackles at halftime? I was shocked when I learned this. It was yeah, Tommy Eichenberg. He had ten, you know what? He had ten I, stops. I, they said they called him stops. They didn't call him tackles because you know two hands yeah. again with the first team. But ten of them, I was like, oh, I don't know that that does surprise me because that seems like the kind of player he is. He is the he's going to quietly put together a huge game for you. Um, I also did you notice that who was sitting in front of us by the way by chance yesterday? That was the Eichenberg family. Is that who that was? That I was, want, yeah. That was yeah, because I knew there was a whole family together. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. I, I almost went and talked to them, but I was like, no, they're here to enjoy their son at the spring game. When they don't want to hear from a crazy buck nut like me. But anyways, um, that was cool. I thought um, I thought that – yeah, I was shocked when I saw that. But, yeah, Tarantine is – he's an up-and-coming. There's so much – there is so much young talent in that defensive backfield, Chris. Oh my goodness, yeah. It's unbelievable. The the cupboard was not bare when Jim Knowles came over and started coaching these guys. It's again, the only question I've got with this defense is can he bring the linebackers enough to make them along enough to make them a strength? And I think he will. Um and the way that this defense plays, those linebackers play a very interesting role. They are definitely gap uh gap blockers here. They they plug gaps and force yeah. the running back to go outside where then those safeties are coming down and cleaning up all that trash. So you you can expect a lot of tackles from um, Hickman and uh, McAllister and uh, Proctor. I think Proctor's probably going to get kicked out of two or three games for targeting this year. That's my guess. <laughs> my over-unders three on uh, ejections for Proctor because he loves – contact and he's playing that position now where he can come downhill from that safety position and just just light someone's world up and that's my over under on being ejected for targeting for proctor um all right let's move on to buckeye leafs let's start with the offense first uh i'll go with you first chris who gets your buckeye leaf for offensive mvp oh man hard you know? it, it was hard in the spring, but you know who I thought looked really good? Well, there, were, there was actually a couple, uh, but I thought Mayan Williams looked really, really good out there. He carried the ball a lot, had a couple of big runs, uh, and I thought he looked really strong. So I'm going to go with Mayan. All right. Uh, I will go with <clears throat> C.J. Stroud, obviously. He gets a Buckeye leaf for just doing what he did for – uh, Dwayne Haskins. And um, of course, he looked like he was in midseason form, like he you did. said, Chris. Uh, I'm also going to go with Evan Pryor. I'll go with the other running back. Oh, he looked great. Okay. Is he not a clone of Curtis Samuel or what? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting there. I'm like rubbing my eyes and going, is Curtis Samuel back on this team? I mean, the way he moves with the football, he's so smooth. Just that, what like was it, 23 yarder that he broke off? I thought I was watching the overtime against Michigan. Game, yeah. You know, where he, he, runs he ended up untouched into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nick likes to say he ran into my arms in the end zone. He did. Uh, 
It was great. <laughs> it was awesome. I think Evan Pryor is, is the next Curtis Samuel, and, and I'm excited about that. Nick, your offensive MVP, who gets the Buckeye Leafs for you? Um, Obviously, C.J. Stroud. Um, And then I have two more. I give one to the entire offensive line, and then my other one goes to G. Scott Jr. Um, Let me tell you something. When I saw – when we targeted him and we let him run some like deeper routes – he reminds me of a Gronkowski, mm. a big yeah. target. Give him the ball and just let him run because he's going to barrel over people. And you could almost see that like our defensive backs, when he caught the ball, were like, eh, I'm not going to really want to hit this guy. <laughs> yeah. You he's, know? A, he's a beast, what, man. What do you think he put on? I bet he put on 15, 20 pounds. At least. At least. He looked but, tough. I made the joke that if Chase Young and Jimmy yeah. Rucker had a love child, <laughs> it would be G. Scott Jr. I'm not joking anymore. He is genetically a freak like Ch- Chase Young is. And, and of course, he's got that same type of um, – I would call it a catch radius that yeah. a Jeremy Rucker does. He's going to be a problem he has, he has the catch radius of Gronk. Just throw in the ball and he's going to catch it like Travis Kelsey. I'm telling you, like this kid, like if we do not feature him in our offense, it's going to be I think we're doing him a disservice. If I'm being honest. Yeah. And let's not forget about Joe Royer's catch. He had a touchdown catch. as well. And that was a tough one. He is tall, man. I did not realize he's six. He is six, five, two, forty five. And he plays long. Yes, he does. He really does. He he's, plays long. He's your, he's your stretch four if you're a basketball team. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Um, I I was super impressed with him. I think our, I think I, I think you're right, Chris. Uh, our tight ends, uh, they're going to be just fine. Uh, let's go over the defensive side of the ball. This one was a little bit harder for me, Chris. Who did you give Buckeye leaves for your defensive MVP for the spring game? Well, I'll tell you. Let me give two. I thought that. Uh, JT Tumaluau did a great job. The, the, the offensive line was having a headache with him. And it didn't matter whether it was the first team, the second team, or whoever it was. They were having trouble with that young man. And the second one, let, let's go with the freshman. I thought Kai Stokes had a tremendous game. Mm-hmm. If, yeah, if there's a freshman who you're like, hey, who's going who's gonna to stand out this year as a true freshman, I, that's my guy. Um, I'm giving my Buckeye leaves to Tommy Eichenberg for the first half he had statistically. But then with my own two eyes, the guys on the defensive side who just flashed to me was Kai Stokes and Jordan Hancock. Um, I thought both of them did really well. Of course, I think this is uh, Hancock's second year in the program. Stokes yeah. really sh- should still be in high school in all honesty. Um, he's an early graduate and and came on campus there uh, this uh, this offseason those two guys flash to me. I, I see a lot of potential. They're going to get on the field this year a lot. Uh, Nick, who was your defensive MVP? Who gets the Buckeye have, Leafs from you? I have three Buckeye Leafs to hand out on the defensive side. The entire defensive line unit, they showed so much improvement, and, they, and we're looking back to where we were like. As they announced, he was in the building the Cameron Hayward days, where all <laughs> four are just dangerous. They're just dangerous as a unit. Yeah. You know, um, and then my second one is the linebacking core. Um, 
they plugged those holes, and when they were able to tackle, I just saw him blitz that linebacker so fast and get him down. It was just, it, it was like seeing Ryan Shazier back there again, and I was like, okay, so at least these guys know what to do, you know, and it was just a scheme issue last year or a coaching, you know, like a developmental issue. Yeah. Um, and then my third one is because I, it, it's so good to see him back as Proctor. Yeah. I, I loved seeing him back. He, 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 I think he made the first tackle, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He and, did. and you know what? I think to him, Ronnie Hickman, Cam Brown with the addition of Tanner McAllister, the new Buckeye, and that secondary, those four are bringing that Buckeye no-fly zone swagger back. Sweet. How you about Denzel Burke, Nick? I know. I know. Come on. He was the man last year as a freshman. Outside outside of Jackson Smith and the Jigma touchdown, which, um, let's be honest, who's going to stop that guy? I don't care who you are. Outside of that, Denzel Burke, I don't think let – I don't think they had. No, he he didn't let a pass go by. I don't him. think he let a pass except for I think maybe one time, um, Marvin Harrison Jr. caught like a little five yard out route on him. Yeah. But other than that, I don't think he let anything else in his direction. I, Harrison Jr. had one catch. I think Jackson Smith the Jigba had what one or two. Yeah. And that was it. That's all he let by him. Denzel Burke is an All American, guys. He is going to be an All American. He's that good. Um, also, I don't know if we, if any of you guys caught it, but Harry Miller was there and he was yep. team. He walked right past us, Eric. Yeah, he did at the at the beginning of the day when we were setting up our uh, our tailgate. He walked. He literally walked right by us. I'm like, Chris, there's Harry. Um, so Harry Miller is still with the team. Obviously, he is not participating as far as as far as we know with drills or anything like that, but he is still a part of this football team, which is what Ryan day said. I don't know if Harry's ever going to play again. Maybe he will, but I thought it was awesome to see him a part of the team yesterday and to see him there at the stadium. God bless you, Harry. That's uh, you're, you're, you are a stronger man than a lot of people are. And I commend you for what you're doing, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nick, Nick, you first. Uh, Well, what I was going to say with Harry is, is, um, you know, Texas has Matthew McConaughey as their like, you know, hype culture guy. Um, and I think that's kind of like maybe like, you know, Harry's like of just, of you know, being that voice in the locker room to guys, you know, also, you know, just being that presence, letting them know like, hey, like, you know, you could talk to me as, you know, as a human football, whatever I'm here, you know, um, that type of individual. And it's great. And. Ryan Day always said if he ever wants to come back, he's more than welcome to put on that uniform again and, and run out of that tunnel with us. Yeah. Uh, Chris, go ahead. No, I just wanted to just kind of reiterate. It was it was such truly a, a, a just a great day yesterday. You know, we had the, the Haskins tribute. We had, you know, we got to see Harry Miller. And then getting to see all the former players back, for the hundred year celebration. There was a ton there. I thought that was great. And they were, it was like a who's who of football down there. And we didn't even get to see them all on the screen being interviewed. Right. Because there was just so many down there. Uh, it was just phenomenal. I thought that the university and the team did such a good job yesterday. 
I mean, it, it it's truly one of those things where, and I told you this yesterday, Eric, I had never been to a spring game before, been to plenty of regular season games, had never attended a spring game. After this, I don't know that I'll ever miss a spring game again. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And if you've ever worried about, hey, you know, if I have a little one, this is the, and he, he or she might not be able to see because of the in the crowd or things. You're just worried about that. The, the spring game is what you want to come to, man. You so literally can, he's sitting right with us. <laughs> yeah. You literally can drive up to the stadium and park. I mean, that's where and we literally did yesterday. So uh, it was a lot of fun. All right. Let's let's talk about our commitment for this week. Now, before we talk about Mark Fletcher, I do want to let everybody know that today we did get two more recruits in the 2023 class. Bryson Rogers, a three star wide receiver uh, from Florida and Dejon Johnson, a four star corner quarterback cornerback, sorry, defensive back from Tampa, Florida. They both committed today. They were both there yesterday, and they both committed today. But let's talk about the other dude from Florida, the running back we got this week. We'll we'll take care of Johnson and Rogers on, on next week's show, but we're going to talk about Mark Fletcher today. He is a four-star running back out of American Heritage High School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. 6'1", 225 pounds, ranked 153rd nationally in the 247 composite rankings. He's the eighth highest ranked running back and 29th highest recruit out of the state of Florida. I'm going to start with you first, Chris. I got to watch his film. I assume you did as well. What can you tell me about this guy and what do you like about him, man? Well, he's big, he's physical, he's got a really great burst. He hit, you know, he explodes through the hole. He's not overly elusive, you know. He doesn't possess necessarily a true high end speed, but he's got quickness and he's a little bit shifty. Uh, he's able to to evade uh, defenders like that. I think he does a great job using his forearms and stiff arm to just overpower and discard defenders. You know, decent receiver with, uh, you know, catching the ball out of the backfield. Uh, not somebody in the mold of, a you know, an H-back like a Curtis Samuel who's going to go out on actual pass patterns. But, you know, he can take those swing passes and things like that, turn them upfield for a decent gain. Uh, you know, upright running style. But when he gets going, he is a load to pull down. Uh, you know, his legs are always chopping. I'm telling you, I saw this kid, and one name instantly ran into my mind. And it was another 6'1", 225-pound running back who came to Ohio State and showed a brutal brutal stiff arm as well, and that was Beanie Wells. So this kid reminds me Beanie. of a young I, Beanie Wells. I said last week I'm not sure he's Beanie Wells, but you went with it, huh? I don't think he's got the speed that Beanie had. As far as the long distance speed, I think he slows a little if he gets a big breakaway. Mm-hmm. But I, I see in the running style, I, I think I see a little more beating. Now, I've heard people say a lot of Ohio State fans are comparing them to Carlos Hyde. What do you think about that? I could see that. Uh, I see why they think I, they, they think I think that. Hyde was a little bit – and this may sound a little crazy with this. I think Hyde was a little more physical. I think he was a little more nasty when he ran. Mm-hmm. But could he develop into a Hyde-type runner? Yeah, he's got the physical ability. Uh, you know, I think he's going to do well 
And, you know, we always talk about these guys coming out of high school, getting into the mix program, putting on a few extra pounds, hitting the weights. I think what he needs to do is get on to mixed program, work on that conditioning, maybe drop a few pounds or turn that into lean muscle. And he's really going to be a phenomenal back. Okay. Nick, do you have uh, any thoughts uh, on um, our new running back, Mark Fletcher committed this past week? All I know is that these Florida running backs know how to play football. (laughs) And when we've gotten them out of this, when we've poached them from, you know, Florida State, Florida, um, you know, down there in the SEC country, I know we get a good running back. Um, I haven't had the chance to watch his highlight reel yet. Okay. Um, but um, from like I said, like from what I've heard, if he's being compared to the, the likes of Carlos Hyde, I'm perfectly ca- fine with that because Carlos Hyde was amazing running back. Yeah, Carlos Hyde, very underrated. Um, let me say this. I don't think he's Carlos Hyde. I know he's getting that comparison. The crazy comparison that is out there is Derrick Henry. There's, I'm sorry, there's no, no way he's Derrick. No, Henry. he is not Derrick Henry. Derrick, Hen- Derrick Henry might be one of the greatest running backs ever in high school football history. And then he look what he went on to do in college and and now the NFL. Like, I'm sorry, there's no way he's Derrick Henry. Go ahead, Nick. Just just looking at his like height and weight. To be honest, he's gonna be like a boom heron. I've got one better for you guys. I have I have watched this his film three times now, and I kept sitting there. I go, man, he reminds me of somebody, and I could not put my finger on it until today. He's the quiet storm, Raymont Harris. Oh, Raymont Raymont yeah. Harris was six foot two twenty five. Uh, Mark Fletcher is six one two twenty five, and their running styles are very similar. Yeah, Raymont was a real up. You know, that real, yes. you know, he used his runner. upper body strength a lot is, is, yes. you know, you know, Eddie George was one of those guys who could use his upper body strength, but his legs were so strong. You couldn't arm tackle him. You got an arm on his leg. You break your leg, you break your arm, you know, um, I'm not saying he's Eddie George, no, but I am saying, I think he reminded me of Raymond Harris. I could see that. Yeah. And so after after the third time, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the quiet storm right there. And then I looked them up and I was like, and they're the same size. I'm like, OK, now nah, I'm not seeing things here. This this truly is a Raymond Harris type of runner. Um, quick feet, bigger back, giving him the ability to cut with those quick feet. He can move. He is, like you said, Chris, shifty um, for a big guy. Uh, very strong. Um I think his shiftiness is going to create a lot of problems for defensive linemen uh, and slower linebackers. And then his strength will be an issue for the smaller defensive backs to try to bring him down. Um, He gets into the second level. And when he gets in there, he is very physical. He does have a lot of that upper body body arm strength with the stiff arms and the forearm shivers and the get off of me type of stuff. Um, he has above average hands for a back his size, which is another reason why he reminds me of Raymond Harris, I think. Um, and this is giving him the ability to be a threat in the passing department. So he is a great third down back, guys, because not only can he get you those tough yards, two, three yards, but if you decide to fake and go pass, he's an outlet guy in the passing department. Um, so very good get with that. Um, and here's the other thing I noticed. He likes to block. He, he will be yeah. a lead blocker sometimes, which I think is very important for an Ohio State 
running back. You always hear Ryan Day. You heard Urban Meyer used to talk about this all all the time. You have to you have to be good in pass pro at Ohio State if you're going to play running back. And so he is going to possess that, which I which I think will help him get on the field early, at, at least on third down situations. And you know who you who loved to get in there and smack a linebacker helmet to helmet. Probably was it, are you thinking Zeke? That's it, what was, it was. Zeke yeah. always said he goes when they told me that I got to go up there and hit a linebacker. He goes, oh, I loved passing downs even more than when I got the rock because I got to go in there and just put my helmet on somebody. So with the addition now of Mark Fletcher and of course the two guys we got today and Dejon Johnson and Bryson Rogers, who we will, we will again we will cover them next week on, on next week's podcast. Ohio State is now ranked number one in the Big Ten, so we finally jumped over Penn State in the 2023 rankings with these guys, and we jumped all the way up to second in the national rankings. So we, with these nine hard commits, Ryan Day and this class are starting to build something. Now, we only have one guy in the top 100. Um, we have quite a few guys in the top 300, but... It's it's only a matter of time, I think, before we, we're going to land a, a five star or two here and really, really bolster this class. So um, and then and then there's a lot of rumors flying or floating around that we're going to land the number one recruit in the 2024 class very, very soon, who is a quarterback. So uh, those of you who are into recruiting, check that out. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we come back. Nick and I are going to hang around and we're going to talk a little bit about his personal fandom with Ohio State. Chris, thanks for joining us for the first part. Uh, and, and Chris will be back next week. And if you uh, are a follower and listener of this podcast, you have an opportunity next week. We're going to be doing our uh, mock Ohio State NFL draft. It's a game we always play. This will be our fourth year to do this. And you will have the opportunity to win yourself some prizes from us. So make sure uh, you hang around and, and, and listen next week on how, you, how to do that before the NFL draft. So hang tight, everybody. The OHIO podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And welcome back to the OHIO podcast, everybody. All right, Nick. So so we have been doing this offseason. I've been interviewing everybody, and um, sometimes – us podcasters and guys who are associated with the OHIO podcast, we don't have the opportunity to get interviewed. And I've already interviewed your co-host on Shots from the Shot, Jason Monk. And I wanted to take this opportunity to interview you as well. And after the spring game and everything, I just thought this would be a great week to do this. So first and foremost, let's start with the question I've asked everybody else as well. How did you get in contact with the OHIO podcast? Great question. So how I got how I found the OHIO podcast was I was looking for an Ohio State group on Facebook that wasn't toxic, you know, (laughs) Um, that didn't, you know, that didn't have like where 
And by toxic, let me mean this, not by negative comments about the team or anything like that. The whole you're not a true fan toxicity, you know, where you couldn't just have a discussion about Ohio State football, right? Um, So then, you know, I found that I was, you know, did like a search on Facebook, found the OHIO podcast, listened to you and Aaron joined the group and, you know, just joined like some of the discussions, you know, on the comment page. Um, and that's how I found it because it was, just, you know, and it just seemed like the culture that you guys had was, hey, we're all about the discussions, even the uncomfortable ones. Yeah, that's a good point. Yep. And I appreciate that. No, that's that's awesome. Now, when you you joined the group, I don't remember exactly how it all transpired, but I know you reached out to me and then you started podcasting yourself and you started this uh, great podcast with your roommate when you were living down in Cincinnati called the 513 Sports Attack, of course, 513 being the area code down there in the Queen City. So talk to me a little bit about how that got started and how you got started into podcasting. So how that all got started was one day my buddy Corey and I, we were sitting down watching um, The Herd. Right, we were listening to Colin Coward, watching First Take on a Saturday. You know, we were just watching all those shows, and we just thought like these guys are, you know, all these experts and know, you know, give you quote unquote all this insider information. And we were just like, there's no fans out there that are just talking about just sports in general. You know, just giving their opinion on. Oh, you know, the Baker Mayfield saga or, you know, the NFL draft who, you know, who would you have wanted to take as a fan? You know, not knowing the insider information, not really knowing in depth the X's and O's of any sport that you're talking about, just expressing our opinions as fans. Um, And that's what we really just wanted to do. And it was like, you know, just great because it was a great way just to put that, you know, just that perspective like, hey, I guess – you know, this is just what, what, what we're feeling as fans, and a lot of, of the feedback we got was that people like that because it was something like that they weren't hearing like, oh, this is what these experts are saying about the situation, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was just like, hey, this is just – and they were like, it's more like, oh, yeah, that is kind of like a good point coming from like you know just a logical fan base perspective, you know? Yeah. So what I liked about it because I, I, I was a listener – um, I feel like a lot of times when I listen to the big name national guys about sports talk, it becomes very political on stuff. And you guys, you guys never got political. It was all about the sport. And it was, you know, yes, you talked about things that happened around the sport, but you you never made it like a, you never took it from a perspective of left or right. It was always yeah. just the sport and the athlete. And I loved that about you guys. And unfortunately, I feel like maybe and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I felt like the 513 kind of fell apart when COVID happened because you guys were no longer able to live with each other. Correct. Well, that and it was just, you know, our our entire podcast just. You know, like where us here at the OHIO podcast and Shots from the Shop, we have a specialty that we can talk about, right? Right. So we can go back and we can go, like you and Aaron and I have done, hey, we're watching all together the 2002 National Championship and commenting live on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I guess we could have really, you know, done that, but it would have been hard to just choose, you know, well, which sport, you know, do we watch this time? You know, that type of thing Um, where so like when COVID hit and literally the world shut down, right, all of sports, it kind of just killed killed us because we didn't really have current things to talk to talk about, you know, and. You know, we tried to do the whole, um, you know, like until sports came back, our top tens on the NFL, our top tens on the NBA and all that stuff. And it was fun, but we noticed our viewership was massively declining Mm. because of, you know, it wasn't up to date and all that stuff. And then, you know, through COVID not living together, it got harder to sit down and record an episode because you can't go, oh, hey, let's. You know, hey, look, we could record an episode tonight and get it up tomorrow, you know? Right. Um, type deal. So, yeah, kind of COVID, once again, was a killer to us. <laughs> yeah, so when that happened, I snatched you up right away. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was like, Nick, come on over. Um, and you and, and, and Jason did a good job this year uh, with the um, the basketball podcast, Shots from the Shot. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, – That'll continue on into the future. Oh, it but it's awesome having you a part of our, our podcast family. Um, I think you do a great job, and uh, I, I'm just tickled pink to have you a part of a part of our group. So, what's your favorite part of podcasting, man? I, I know that's this kind of an interesting question. I haven't got to ask this to any of our other listeners because I don't know too many of them who are podcasters, but I know you are. So, what do you love most about it? Um, honestly. What I like is when you know how when you're like reading an article or you're listening to Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center talk about us or you know who you know whoever it is talk about Ohio State and you're like well that just you know that opinion is just wrong right right um I like having that space of podcasting to at least get my voice out there and just put my opinion even if nobody's listening to it and you know what do I know because I'm not an expert on it I'm just putting my opinion out there um, but that's kind of like you know what I like about it and it's always nice to like talk with you talk with Aaron talk with Chris about it because you know we can always just and it's always good to have that conversation about it you know and it's always nice and healthy to have those types of conversations. All right, let's talk about your fandom with the Buckeyes, man. Yep. So when did that start, and and who is to blame for you being a buck nut? <laughs> so my grandma actually. Really? Uh, yeah. When I was when I was a kid, uh, my dad worked Saturdays, and if my mom was busy, and I'd always go stay with grandma for the Saturday, and she always watched the Buckeyes. Um, so we would, you know, on Buckeye, you know, Saturday afternoons, because back then in the nineties. Unlike today, kids, for our younger viewers out there, back in the 90s, Ohio State played at noon or 3.30. We did not have these 8 o'clock games, and if we did, it was like Penn State, and it was rare, you know? Um, So we, you know, noon, 3.30 with Grandma, um, and then it really kicked off during the 2002 Na- or the 2002 going into that 2003 national championship season, right? Uh, my best friend and I at the time decided that this year we were going to watch every single game together. Didn't matter what was happening. We were watching every game together, right? And the unbelievable heart attack, stressful 
season that Craig Krenzel, Maurice Claret, <laughs> Michael Jenkins, Chris Gamble, all of them put us through that year to cap it off with that title was just like it like hit me there that it was just like, yep, I, I'm never going to miss a game ever again. Yeah, you I know? have. Yeah, I had a very similar experience as you in 2002. Uh, my good friend, Doug Gerald, who uh, who I was friends with at church when I was in my early 20s and a co- and a college student. Uh, we watched every game together and it was a magical season. There's no doubt about that. Um, your favorite Buckeye, so, man. Go. Well, Let me hit. well, oh, so and then in 2007, my cousin took me to my first Buckeye game against the against Illinois when we were number one, and Juice Williams ran right down the field on our yeah, defense oh, to beat tough us. One. Tough one, but that moment, like being in the shoe, it was like. You know, like your first time in the shoe, right? You'll never forget it. Win or lose, you'll never forget that first time in the shoe. And to me, it was like, this is it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I want to come back here. You know, like the atmosphere, it was, and even to this day, I go to any sporting event, nothing tops the shoe to me being in the I stadium. Agree. It's, and it's then, amazing. and then I was fortunate enough to be in the 2016 game, like you, like we mentioned earlier, for Curtis Samuel. The 2018 Michigan game, I was there for Jim Trestle's last game against them, where Terrell Pryor led them up for 37 points. Um, but yeah, I mean, all that just combined is just made me the biggest Buckeye nut and one of the biggest Buckeye nuts in the world, you know? Yeah. All right. So who's that favorite Buckeye? I have two. Okay. And they're both from um, the Jim Trestle era. I love Michael Jenkins. The the cat, the holy Buckeye catch, and then the one he made on fourth and twelve or fourth and eleven, um, in the national title game. I like those are two of my favorite plays ever in Ohio State football history. And then my second one is James Laurinaitis. Beautiful. Buckeye moment, man. Your favorite Buckeye moment. I have two. Two <laughs> two of okay. my favorite again. Um actually three now that I think about it. Oh wow, you're tripling I, down on this, huh? I loved when Troy Smith came out on senior day, put his head down, did the cleat, you know, the cleat clean. Mm-hmm. And ran straight. Like to me, that was just iconic of him. You know, um, so that was a great moment. And then I loved seeing Cardell Jones raise that, raise the college football trophy, <laughs> the national championship trophy. Mm-hmm. And then Curtis Samuel's double overtime run against the team up north. Right into your arms, as you like yep. to say. <laughs> right, he right. It was it was just like I mean, like I was like twenty or so rows up, but like it was like if I would have been in the front row, he would have just ran and just literally we would have given each other a hug in that moment if I was you know right there as that cameraman. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's just again I, I I was having flashbacks of that watching Evan Pryor this uh, on that touchdown run. I was like, oh, 
if Nick's sitting in that corner again, I'm telling. I was. <laughs> I was actually. I know and you were, yeah. I saw Cam- like we were like you guys were saying earlier where like uh I said hey to Cameron Hayward, uh Bobby mm-hmm. Carpenter, um Justin Fields didn't come close enough to say hey, um but I yelled at Chris Olave and he turned around and I started waving and he just like kind of put his hand up. Um, but yeah, man, there were so many of our former players there. It was so great to see them all. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, one of my favorite moments that we've ever, that I think our program ever did was seeing that Dwayne Haskins tribute. Yeah, that was special. I cried. I, I, I had a tear come out. Just, it was so special to see. It was, it was, it was touching. Um, yeah, it's, um, I really don't have the words to describe the emotion that was going through that stadium at that moment, but it was real. It was real. Um, all right. So here you go. This is the one I ask everybody. What does it mean to you, Nick Delanitis, to be a Buckeye? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to say because – like and and I guess I guess I got to say what my mom said. She's from Indiana. Ohio is unlike any other real state in the country where Ohio State is the biggest college in our in our state, right? Regardless of UC how good they may be or whatever, right? Ohio State is the biggest university in our state. We don't have another Big 10 or a power five school to compete with. So all of our love and all of our, you know, passion for like a university is just with one school. You know, you may share with UC if you went to UC or Toledo, Akron, Kent State, but it's really from the day you were born, if you were born in the state, it's been Ohio State Buckeyes, you know? Um, so, and she always said, Unless you're from the state, unless you were born and raised here, it's you just don't understand the love that one could have for a university. Right. Because it's just something that they're that when you're born here, doesn't matter where you're from in the world, but when you're born in Ohio, it's just now built into your DNA. Mm-hmm. The moment you were born here, God went sprinkled that bug eye dust on you and said, <laughs> Here you go. Yeah. You're a bug eye forever. There's your universe. You know, there's your team. Yep. And and part of that is too. Outside of all of that, though, because um, obviously you can never be born here and still have that fandom based off of you know your parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, but really, it's that Saturday after Thanksgiving. To me, what it really means to be a Buckeye, what are you doing on that Saturday after Thanksgiving? Because if you ain't watching that game, I'm sorry, but you may not be a true Buckeye in my eyes. Even when I had to work, uh, there was a time when I was in the furniture business and I had to work. I was glued to that TV set during that game. I don't care if customers walked in or not. I'm like, I, I, I missing this man. So, ma'am, I'll help you when there's a commercial break. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, so, no, it was, and I'll tell you, I don't even know why they had the store open. To be honest with you, because 
Uh, the only people that showed up were women who were like literally like I can't stand my husband at home right now, so I'm just gonna go furniture shopping. So and then yeah, they right. got it. They got it right when they walked in with me and some of the other guys too. We're like, well, we we're the same way, so why are you here? You know, <laughs> I don't even know why they opened the store, but uh, uh, no, you're right. It, it absolutely, it's uh, being a Buckeye and living in the state of Ohio is a special thing, despite the fact that we have the craziest weather in the world. Um, anyways. It's- it's the only thing i could compare it to right and not like that it's a comparison but it's kind of like a religion being in an ohio state fan you know we have our own traditions we have like our own things we all do our own little quirks before games you know what i mean but like at the end of the day we're all buckeyes and it's just like we're always all there for each other you know yeah yeah, I don't recommend anybody being a cult, but this is no. probably the closest thing to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I love it and uh, love Buckeye Nation. So, all right, Nick, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. Get to know you a little better as a Buckeye fan and as a podcaster. Appreciate you being my guest this week. All right, everybody. As always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in St. Carmen, Ohio, with all your heart. And until next time, Nick, OH! I owe! Go Bucks. Oh, come, let's sing, oh, highest praise and songs through Amamaterain. While our hearts rebounding thrill, and joy which death alone can still summer's heat or winter's cold the seasons pass the years will Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, hi, yo.